You all set? I'm good. I got some water. I got the thing. I'm good. You got my vitamin water, so it's better than yours. Vitamin water? Try it. I am trying it. <laughs> ah. Vitamin water. <laughs> Drink it. <laughs> uh, vitamin water. Buy it. Buy it. Yeah, why don't you just Purchase remember it. crappy old commercials? The product. <laughs> buy it. Yeah. I, I okay. think commercials just just skip the the uh, pretext and just like say, hey, um, buy they, it. Okay, they did that once and it was the worst commercial ever, and you'll never forget it. And that's the head-on commercials. Remember uh, those? No. Head on, apply directly to the forehead. Head on, apply directly to the forehead. Head on, apply directly to the forehead. I, Pretty much that. I think I remember the commercial. that. Yeah. Yeah. It works. Mark, what does this have to do with uh, 1D&D? Well, 1D&D, apply directly to your forehead. <laughs> Consume D&D products. Yeah, see, now you have to put that uh, that intro in there, otherwise people will understand the segue. Yeah, that's why Hello, I everyone. <laughs> Hear that, um... The news that like Wizards really wants like not just not just monetize more more D D but like trying to branch out in more like money making avenues and like that's one of the reasons why the movie is happening. I mean, it makes sense because D D is at least with RPGs, you make a book, you sell the book, and you have an IP. What else are you going to do with that? Player aids. Uh, separate things, digital versions of various things, and miniatures and whatnot. Um, but at the, the very o- least, also the only the people o- really spending money on D and D are dungeon masters. Yeah. Yes, and they was the, like, uh, well, the thing is, is that their their money making thing is going to be Magic the Gathering because because trading card games are just money making yeah. machines. Yeah, so they want like. This is all like I don't know, I don't want to say like no leaked, but saying like <laughs> yeah, like um, we need more people buying D and D products. And that's like the movie merchandising. Hope that yeah. doesn't mean like you know, force subscription on what like D and D Beyond if you want to play online or something like that. Yeah, I hope. Well, I would not. Im- I would imagine that there are the D and D Beyonds. Um, playing thing, you know, whatever virtual tabletop it'll come up with. We'll probably need a subscription, maybe just by a DM, just one person to run it, because it's kind of hard to give like a good product like that for free when there are free alternatives out there. So, but what a, but what a, uh, if it is free, oh, like, just yeah. imagine the good PR that would do. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Joseph Blanchett, and this I'm Mark. Mark. It's Mark, and this is Luxury Frontcast. And uh, we're going to talk more about some of the one D and D unearthed arcana. It's been released the past few months. This is the specifically and, the third one. Why? And why no one no one likes it? Yeah. <laughs> or everyone likes oh, it. I don't in know case which you're one. in case you're listening to this in the future, uh, the one that we will be talking about specifically, I would guess, will be the cleric and the revised species. It's the third one. And uh, a little bit about the. Uh, the second one, the expert yeah, classes. That's right, because we didn't we, we did a podcast on the first one, but not the second one. Yeah. And let me, um, let me go back and read through that real quick. Go ahead, just entertain everybody in the meantime. Yeah, so let's read 40 pages of that. Yeah, it's like we didn't have a D game this week, so we're like, let's do a podcast on the uh on Arthurcana. Yeah. Why not? So what so, did you think of the Arthurcana? I thought 
it was pretty good, I guess. <laughs> See, like what what um, I, I kind of realized what the first one is. Um, I kind of really picked on on the uh, picked up on like the talking points, mm-hmm. but there's like a bunch of changes and like how feats and spells, how some spells work, like just on like little minor levels. Yeah, there's um, there's, there's a lot of granularity to the changes. Yeah. And so, like, we were talking, maybe there's a little more in this one, but we were talking about, like, kind of the big things, but, um, you know, they, they've actually changed. And again, this is the Unearthed Arcana. That means it's basically a beta test, so it could, yeah. it could it can say that way. It could change. It can, you can it say that the very first page away. of each of them. Yep. Um, there's a few things in the expert one. So the expert class consists of... Uh, Rogues, bards, rangers, and uh, artificers, although that's not a part of the player handbook. Um, our friend Dustin was asking, it's like wondering if they were going to touch artificers in one It sounds game. like, based on that, it's probably they're going to stick with the original things, at least as they're they're planning on. Will they put um, artificers as a 13th sort of standard class in 6th edition? That remains to be seen. This sort of implies that they might not. Mm. Or at least they're not playtesting completely around that. They're it's a more modern animals. class compared to the others. Um, yeah. So it, it's, it, you know, if they are planning on looking at it, it may not happen until a little later. But it um, lo- does seem like the way that they're sort of redoing these spell lists and everything, it feels a little bit more like you, you can plug and play new, new things in there, so maybe that means that they will be able to have new classes in the future. Maybe we'll get that, the actual, uh, was it the Mystic, who does the Psy stuff. Psy powers. And, oh yeah, like psychic damage. That was like a, a thing in earlier editions, right? Like the... Yeah, yeah. They've had um, either playtest version, they had a playtest version of the Mystic at some points. Um, but they've not put it into a real one. I think I recall one of the main people in D&D talking about how they don't like their magic users. The, the magic that people use to not be just magic, because it's the same thing. <laughs> it's just a different way of tracking it. So the biggest thing in the, in the, in the second Earth Arcana is probably the Ranger. Um, I think Rangers are always kind of considered to have a weaker class, at least by default. Um, the original ranger was considered weaker. They did some a revised ranger uh, playtest material that they could. They basically put out like, Here, if you want a stronger one, you can do that. And then with was it Tasha's? I think it was Tasha's. They did the complete like redesign of the optional things that replaced the the other ranger traditional ranger abilities. Uh, and I think ranger got the most, so they really fixed that up. Yeah, like like making a hunter's mark baseline. It's not a spell anymore. Yeah, I think it's basically replacing like like the favored foe thing. Like you're just gonna have hunter's mark now. Yeah. So you do extra damage that way. Um, they're giving them expertise, like like rogues. I mean, they get more uh, proficiencies. Uh, and they're giving them spell casting at first level. Yeah. So they're, they're more of a um, more like the bard, where they just like. Just have spell casting to to be more versatile. The um, but it's always a bit weird because 
they technically rangers didn't have their own uh, uh spellcasting focus mm-hmm. or they did but you didn't really you didn't start with it so you technically had to come by it another way i guess um and i'm taking a look right now there's what is their spellcasting focus for this one? You can use a druidic focus as a spellcasting focus for the spells you prepare in this class. So that was that was one change I think that came in um, on Earth Arcana, or I'm sorry, Tasha's Tasha's called it anything, everything is that they now get a dedicated focus, although it's just the druidic focus. You know, like all the time when playing D and D, like I know spellcasters have a focus. It's what gives them their spells, but I never yeah. found really a gameplay reason for them. The, the only real thing is that it's action economy for having a free hand. Um, you're either holding a focus, you need to be able to go into your component pouch, or you're able to touch your uh, symbol, your holy symbol, or something similar to be able to cast it. You can't do that if your hand is not free. So that's really the only case, is that oh, you need to be okay. able to hold that or have a free hand instead of a weapon or a shield. So... Okay, so gameplay wise, it's that you're holding your focus. Yes, okay. or you can you have access to it. Yeah, because I remember we had a big discussion about like, hey, can I do like, um, was it a seismic, um, motions? You know, you move your hands. Like right. the spell requires it. Like, does that mean I have to have a free hand? And you were saying, well, if you have a focus, um, yeah, the- you, you can like put it in your pocket for a second and then take it out. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I mean, you can do that with other things, but specifically for foci, um, you can. It does say in the rules that you can use the hand you're holding your focus or spell components in to do the somatic. Yeah. Um. So you don't have to have a free hand for holding a thing and then doing it. You just you can do the somatic versions with that free hand, or well, sorry, I, with that focus hand. There is something later too about switching weapons. Um. I think they're just going to let you do that during a turn. Yeah, that's actually a... I think that came up in the new one. We yeah. get to that when we get to it. Uh, yeah, because I was like reading this uh, article. Instead of like reading the entire PDF, I just kind of read an article about a guy's opinion on it. And it, it says something about like, just as part of your action, you can you know switch switch weapons. Yep. Uh, looking at it right now for the third one, the, uh, the uh, cleric class. Um, uh, you can equip or unequip one weapon before or after each attack you make as part of this action. You get to do it as part of an action instead of it being your um, interact with object uh, thing. Yeah. Because I I always... Codify that, simplify it more. I always played pretty fast and loose um, with that rule. And uh, and I think most people do. And and like and I said, well, if you're like switching from two, ha- uh, from like dual wield to like a, a, equipping a shield, then that might require an action. But according to yeah. this, it, it might not. It's just something you can do. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that the way shields are is that they require hand because you have to hold them like a traditional shield and you don't just wrap it around your arm. It, it takes up your whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, I would, I agree with that. I think most people would just kind of like fast and loose around that. Uh, only bring it into yeah. only bring it into play when it's either you know relevant to the situation or if you're just playing more uh, people who prefer to have the sort of uh, action economy as a major part of the combat. Which I guess it's not say weapons, and a shield is not a weapon. So. Correct. A shield is 
I, it's armor. It's currently armor, and I think they're making it. They're they're making sure that you understand its armor a little better in these new rules. Mm-hmm. And that's really what these all new rules have been doing. They've been simplifying and codifying things, which is sort of an interesting way to 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 put out the rules so rather than just essentially saying this is how this works. They're saying here's a keyword. This is what this keyword means, and giving things proper definitions and terminology mm-hmm. that didn't have them before. Another big thing is their um, dual wielding skin change, where um, if you're dual wielding two light weapons, uh, then you can just attack twice, one one with one hand, one with the other one, without using a bonus action. Which is really good for rangers and rogues, and I guess bards too, because like you want to be cool, you want to be like the dual wielding fighter guy. Yeah, but like all your cool stuff is on your bonus action, <laughs> um, so you know you couldn't really take advantage of that that often. The uh, dual so wheeler, the dual wielder fate in response to that has updated that a weapon. Uh, if you have a weapon with a light property in one hand, you can treat a non light weapon in your other hand as if it had the light property. So instead of letting you attack, uh, so it's basically because that's what dual wielder did essentially was it's a second. Uh, it uses your full damage uh, but now because it's redundant uh, they've now made it so you can dual wield with at le- with one non-light weapon okay so but you still have to have a light weapon in your main hand correct so one of the weapons has to be so instead of having two light weapons you need at least one light you need at least one light weapon okay because before it just made you like a dual wield, you can just have any weapon with, without the two handed property. Right, right. They're sort of doing that. It looks like they're just building uh, it around the the rule that you had mentioned. So. Yeah, and that I guess that's technically not as good, but the fact that you can always do it makes it better. Yeah, it's it's the rule. It, the dynamics of the rules change around, so it's really hard to say. Yeah. Well, is this as good, or is it is it still good because the rules that is builds off of her different now too. Mm-hmm. That's definitely good for rogues whose like bonus yeah. action can disengage and all that stuff. Uh, meaning you have a lot more flexibility for a class that already has a lot of flexibility. Everybody loves rogues. Uh, I rogues. Freaking sneak attack. Did they change yeah. sneak attack? Actually, they did change sneak attack. Did they? Um, it, it's very minor. Uh, before. Um, it just says on your turn you can do a sneak attack. That means you can use your reaction for a um, attack of opportunity. But in uh, the last UA, they said um, on your once per um, on your attack turn. So that means well, I thought that's how it was already. Is that rogues have it has to be on your during your if you make an attack action, you get sneak attack once on your turn. Well, doing an attack of opportunity is a attack action, right? Oh, is that how they're changing it? They're making... Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it means attack you of can't... Opportunity, attack of opportunity would be a reaction. So... Well, however they worded it, it means yeah. you can't use a reaction anymore, so um, you can't do a sneak attack when someone's running away from you. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Is there anything else in the, in the expert one? Because they didn't really have as... It was like a lot of like little minor changes, but like... yeah, I was listing out the things. There's probably a bunch of stuff, but I didn't. Uh, I don't have too much on here. I'm just 
scrolling through it at, at the moment. Yeah, I know they. Oh. Um, this was put out before they had the feedback for the first one. Yeah. Um, or they had some feedback, but they didn't. Uh, no official feedback because the right. uh, the uh, thing wasn't done yet. But um, okay. they did change the critical attack thing back to the way it was before. Um, yeah. They're just getting feedback on it all. I don't know if, how positively or negatively they reacted to that. Um, but they did change. They're experimenting with um, getting inspiration on a natural one instead of a 20. Kind of takes the sting out of that natural one. Yeah, because like from game from like just rolling the dice, you have the exact same probability of doing it. Yeah. Uh, but the idea is that like, oh, you're so frustrated from that miss inspired. that you're inspired <laughs> to do better next time. Um, and there's also some rules about it not disappearing during a long rest. I think it, that happened yeah. last time. Um, uh, they're trying to make that oh, you okay. use your your inspiration more often, so they thought if it goes away, then you're going to make sure you use it. Um, the, the, the amount of times I have to tell people, hey, you want to use your inspiration? Um, is more than it should be. Yeah, people forget I mean, they have it. It's a thing. It's so weird. I, this even, is why I like hero points better. I wish they would make that normal. Yeah, it's like so weird. It's like, well, I guess because it was so limited before. That's so true. Like, it is, you, you it was all flavorful rather than mechanical. Yeah, so like I, I always forget to give it out. Like I, I hardly ever give it out. Yeah. Um, but like, if you're constantly saying to people, "Okay, have inspiration." Or you know it's just a rule you get to get it. Yeah. That might help a lot. Yeah, the, um, the the way that it seemed like it was built in this in 5e was that it was have do it in ways to encourage the players to do things, for instance, be clever or to roleplay a certain way, or to say, don't just tell me you are trying to convince so and so to do thing. Show me how you're doing it, and you reward them for that to sort of encourage the role play side of the game rather than the mechanical side of the game. So. Yeah. yeah, that's all good. I just forget to do it. Like I'm just so wrapped up in like the story of it all that I'm like <laughs> thinking about what to like DM next. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think that's well. I mean, just like I said, there's a lot of little changes, but those are kind of the big things I noticed. Um, kind of goes in this in the expert classes one because we hadn't re- we haven't read that one in, in like a month at least so yeah and i think this is actually a part of this one but um like the 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 rogue thief is just straight up getting like a, a climb speed um right and we had a lot big discussion about how um if you move you can only choose one type of movement speed yeah, so that's that's something that came up in the newest one, is that they changed how movement works. And, uh, and we might as well talk about that now, if, I guess, um, yeah. if we're going to switch over to the thing, unless you want to talk about other stuff first. No, that's fine as well. Okay. So, to explain to everybody out there who might not be familiar with it, because you're just characters at walking speeds, the way movement works in D&D 5e is that you have a movement speed that is essentially a walking speed. And some things or some races or some classes and features can give you different types of speeds. There's essentially five different types of speeds. Walking, running, uh, flying, swimming, climbing, and burrow, which is, I think, monster only. 
Um, so the way that this happened, if you would have multiple speeds, you could have walking 30, flying 50, if you're like an Aarakocra. Um, and the way that this works is that when you would move on a turn, you would deplete your movement from all of those simultaneously. So if you have 30 feet of movement and uh, 50 feet of fly, if you ran 30 feet, you would then have zero more movement of, of on, on foot, but you would have 20 more movements on with your wings of fly. And it's sort of, in a way, to have different staggered amounts of movements because some things are obviously going to be, you know, better flyers than they are walkers or something similar. Mm. But it is a little convoluted. Yeah, so what they they did with in the in the multiverse creature book, um I think Eric Coker was the only one that in that book that had flying, but they just made it equal to your to your um walking speed. I have a feeling so, it's a little because of how overpowered that was for a level one creature <laughs> character to have 50 feet of movement flying. <laughs> but it does simplify it anyway. Yeah, um, so like you don't have to worry about different pools like that, but that means that um, Eric Hokra couldn't walk five feet and then f- fly up in the air. They would just have to choose to fly on that turn and that's it. Right, well, okay, so... Sort of. I mean, in, in, in the Tasha's rules and the 5e rules, you could switch between them as you wish, as long as you have the movement left. Yeah. So you can go 15 feet of walking and then 15 feet of flying, or 15 and then 10 and then another 5 of walking again, etc. As long as it all added up to uh, your totals worked out for what you did in order. Yeah. Like, as we're saying, co- a little convoluted, but it makes sense of what they're trying to do. So what they're doing in this one in this new one, is that they've basically made it so movements, you have to pick one type of movement that you use for uh, that you use for that little movement action, either your normal movement or like a dash or something else. You say, I'm going to run, or I'm going to climb, or etc. So this seems to be in such a way that um, it simplifies things. Uh, makes it easier, I should say. It makes it easier to to tell how much speed you have left and how much speed you're uh, using. But um, you have to, because you have to pick one, it runs into this weird scenario that we've talked about a couple of times where, well, what if in a combat you want to climb, let's say, a wall up to a roof of a 10-story, 10-foot uh, building and then run to the other end of the bu- uh, the other end of the roof? You would then, in combat, change between running to climbing to running. And what this is saying that you don't do that. Well, uh, it's not saying you can't climb at all because climbing would just be your normal walking movement, but as difficult terrain, most likely. But I don't know. It just it seems like it's more detrimental. Yeah. So than... climbing and swimming is half your movement. It's like it's like difficult terrain. Um, so not many right. not many characters classes have a climb speed except. You know, I mentioned that the thief is getting one um, just as being a, a thief. And I think maybe like spider climb, he may spider climb. There's slippers of spider climbing, which are, you know, a pretty commonly seen item, magic item. Take some uh, shifters in Eberron, get a climbing speed since they're like right. animal based. But that means, yeah, um, it's like cool to get climbing speed. Like that's cool. Like I said, you walk five feet to a wall, and then you can't take advantage of it. 
Yeah, because you moved so, five feet walking. And this um, this might not come up that much in actual combat, depending on what it is. As a lot of times, the combat is going to be in just a you know a normal arena. But yeah, there's plenty of times when you put obstacles around things like that, and people who can climb are obviously going to try and climb things to get an advantage point. So, well, it's it's like um, swimming speed. Some some races, sorry, some species have um, <laughs> swimming speeds, and like you yeah. think you you would take that to um, you know. Let's say the rare case where you have to run across a river. Um, it's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a wizard folk. I can just, you know, I could do that real easily. Right. Um, all of a sudden, that's gone. Yeah. Like, like so there, I, I can think of a couple common scenarios where this could happen like that. So uh, somebody flying up a tower into a window and then landing in the window or on the roof or whatever, or climbing up a wall onto the roof and then having to walk running off a dock into the water to chase after something that is swimming away, um, going across a river, as you said, something that is suddenly flooding, things like that, which are not commonly seen everywhere, but are not out of the ordinary. There are definitely situations that can come up. Um, so I'm hoping. I, I personally don't like that change. I, I would much rather have the versatility than the uh, the restriction. Yeah, this this really seems like it's um like put in there just because it's an idea they had, yeah, they want to see how people react to it. Like, um, like what if if you change movement types, then um, you automatically use up up to half your movement. Like, like, if you, like if you were to just stand up, the same sort of yeah. Like if you walk, if you walk five feet to a body of water and then start swimming, that means you have to like pretend like you walked fifteen feet. And then he had 15 feet of swimming. I don't know. It's probably a lot of yeah, it, it Yeah, I don't think that cancels anything out. It just ends up being the same. Yeah, more yeah. difficult terrain. Oh, yeah, um, it's true. Because if you're losing yeah. the speed, then it's, it's, you yeah. might as well have just done that. I mean, yeah. that's why we're just spitballing ideas. Like, I know that we've talked to some, some of our friends. Um, and I think it was Bun came up with the idea that uh, was saying, well, what if we just had a pool of movement? And if you have that type of movement uh, as, as a bonus sort of thing, you can then, you just have it for any of your movement. Rather than depleting everything, you just have one speed. And that fixes the weird problems of how to manage it, but it then runs into the, well, a bird is not going to be able to walk as far as it can fly. And how do you balance that out? So, But all, but all character races don't have that problem. Correct. However, this movement also also goes for monsters as well. These are not just um, yeah. character things. Monsters ro- run by the same rules. Yeah, because a dragon can fly like 120 feet, but it can only yep. walk like like 30. Yep, and then you got like hovering creatures that can hover and stuff like that. Meh. Yeah. So they yeah, have to I, work I on that. I, yeah. I think, I mean, Bun had a pretty good idea about having a pool of movement. Um, especially for characters, since I think ever since um, the Multiverse book came out that all flying creatures have a movement equal to their... All flying creatures have a fly speed equal to their walk speed, so it's not going to yeah. change. They've really been, with, especially with Hodges, is that they've been trying to... They started with what they were doing with this, which was codifying and simplifying, as I mentioned earlier. And so putting all of those sort of on the same level uh, is really what they had been trying to do with Tasha's. Mm-hmm. Well, Tasha, yeah. I mean... 
Tasha is Tasha's old. Tasha's and Monster and Mordenkainen still. Mordenkainen's. Yeah, the multiverse. Mordenkainen's multi- guide to the multiverse of madness, whatever it's called. Uh... <laughs> you want to play as a Spider Man? They have a Spider Man race. Wait, no, they don't. Well, they might. There's a few other things I noticed here. Um, so, um, it's not actually happened in the first one, but uh, a guidance, how they change it to reaction. Yes. Um, guidance and resistance, which is its sister spell. Yeah. So if you've uh, watched, listened to any of the games that we've played uh, with Dustin, Dustin will constantly... Forget to try to use guidance whenever he can, um, but couldn't because it was usually in reaction to somebody else or they're too far away. But now, guidance and resistance are reactions, and they work up to ten feet and are not cut. You just have to be within ten feet and I think see the target. And um, what a creature can only benefit from it once. So I think that does fix a big like talk about for a big problem where. You just can't use it all the time. Yeah. Um, or like, if, if someone's trying to do something and, and Dustin says, and only Dustin says, uh, <laughs> um, hey, can I use guidance? And it's like, well, there's no reason why you couldn't, I guess. Um, but, you know, it does make a lot of sense. Um, but And I, I think that's good. But this brings up, and I, and I watched a video about this from a, a nerd immersion, um, on like Insight, checks and stuff like that it totally breaks it yeah um because like let's say you're you're talking to a like a you know the evil evil king right right and like you're like i can tell this guy's evil i'm doing an insight check and like let's say you roll like a 15 but it requires yeah. a 20 for you to to, to uh succeed it's to say like yeah this this evil king's up to something evil um that means the DM has to say, no, you failed your role. Um, it says, okay, well, I'll use guidance to do it. But then, if you say you failed, that must must mean there's a success. And if, the, if there's a success, that means for what you rolled for, he is hiding something. That is one way to interpret it. However, um... Yeah, that's a very good point. I never thought about it. However, yeah. I would also say that there's two two things. One, if it's impossible to do something, it's okay to not have a character's role. Although in this case, you kind of want them to. But B, saying that they fail, you don't have to say they failed because they didn't get high enough. They failed that maybe they did. There's nothing to hide, and you just change the terminology as how you were playing the, as the DM. Yeah, they um, could use it for no reason. But like, I guess it is a cantrip. It wouldn't be a spell slot. The other thing would be that. Unless you're doing it on yourself. Because uh, you can't... I, I find it hard to say that you can't see an ally inciting somebody. <laughs> um, but you could tell yourself to do it. So they'd probably have to work around that. That is either, true. Yeah. Like, so, if, you're, if you want to cast Guidance, how do you know another, another character is doing insight on something like do yeah. they have what do they furrow their brow in like trying to figure out so that is, that is kind of interesting because yeah. if you're like examining something for a trap it's different than just mentally examining someone hmm. 
So I, I think there's this this does it does have a little thing that needs to sort of like yeah. this is what rules as written versus rules as intended versus rules as you know. Yeah, it should fun. say like yeah, it should say um But I don't think it's broken per se. Yeah, I mean that, that was definitely kind of a big loophole like what yeah. we talked about. But I think yeah, it has to be something that the the caster is observing um for it to work. Yeah. I think, I think but but it can be it can be yourself, however. Yeah. And on yourself, that's fine, I think. Yeah. You can this kind of run, works. This kind of run into ahead. the same problem. Um, but yeah, I guess if there's nothing to hide, you can just say it, it yeah. fails. Yep. Or, or to say it, it, it succeeds, because like... What? It, because I, I if, take a... Because if the evil king isn't hiding anything, then yeah. his um, DC check will be like a one, right? I take a... Um, uh, correct, yeah, you can do that. I, I take a... Uh, um, a page from Matt Mercer when he's running it is that, you know, he generally doesn't say you fail. He just says, well, it's kind of hard to read or you do give them only a little bit of information, it's like a gradient success. Like if they get, if they, you know, they get a 15 on their roll, you know, they get some information. If they get a 20 on their roll, they get a lot more information. So. This is all. But yeah, kind of, that's interesting. In that case, it may kind of be up to the, uh, the DMs a discretion, but sometimes it's like written in, in like the adventure books. Like if they roll an insight and they yeah. get this and they can tell that they're lying. Um, yeah. That is like a hard, hard line in the sand when it comes to a check. But I will say that um, this also, this is much better for resistance to be reaction because people would take resistance because most of the time when you're doing a saving throw, you don't know what's coming. And really, the only time to have resistance was when you were like, know somebody is looking for traps or is going to go into a like a room full of gas or something like that. Something that you can obviously tell is dangerous and will need saves. Uh, resistance is like guidance, but for saving throws instead of ability checks. Is, is uh, a bardic inspiration going to be kind of the same way? You don't give someone a D four; you use it as as the bard's reaction. I think so. I will go turn to that page and the thing. It's a very similar spell. Yeah, I mean, it's always been that way, but let's see. Bardic Inspiration, where are you? Okay, using Bardic Inspiration, you can... Okay, you supernaturally inspire others through words, music, or dance. The inspiration is represented by your Bardic Inspiration die, which is a d6. Use it in the following ways. Boost a d20 test. Um, basically, add it to that die. Uh... When another creature within 20 feet of you can see or hear you fails a test. So yeah, the, you use it as a boost rather than the giving it somebody who can use it for, t- for the next 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Or you can heal, which is great. The, the other thing is that they're giving a, a sort of second abilities for things that uh, are very situational. Yeah, like some some classes alter the bar inspiration. Yeah. Um, but I think this is making it a little more mainstream. Um, as long just... as I still get my precious swords barred. I've got a College of Swords bard that's also a Battlemaster fighter, and it is so much fun. <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little bit about the Cleric. Yes. Everybody's um, favorite class. It's a pretty fun class. Um, the, it was one of, the, one of the few classes, I think this and the Warlock, where they got their subclass at level one. Yes. And... Um, I think- Cut, cut. And they're, and I think the paladin maybe got it at level two or something. Um, but they're changing it, presumably for everything. Um, that 
all classes will get their subclass at level three. Yeah, so it makes sense for like the so the cleric, paladin, and and uh, sorcerer have magic from either a patron or or their deities. So warlock. it makes sense that they would know that from this. I'm sorry, warlock. Yes, they would know that. It makes sense that they would know that from the start. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the so part of the part of the problem with with things like that was that classes got very stale for the first couple of levels because there was the same thing all around with them having these sort of like split uh split abilities or or choose an ability sort of thing and at with the new way of giving a level one feat um it makes that first little tier a couple levels of play uh more versatile and more interesting that's a welcome change because uh sometimes I can only make so many human variant human bard or variant human characters that have a feat at level one. And I'm like, sometimes I just want the same thing, but as a dragonborn or a portal. Yeah, so they're giving clerics are a channel divinity at level one now. At level two, you basically choose what type of cleric you're gonna be. You can be a spellcasting one, a fighting one, there's a couple other options. And then at level three, you'll get your subclass. Before, all that was kind of determined by your subclass. Right. Like, um, I don't know all cleric classes, but like a war domain cleric would be like the more in-your-face fighting-type cleric. Um, Right. So that you would get that if you wanted to be a fighting-type. Well, in this one, you can choose to be a fighting-type cleric at level two, and I don't know what they're going to do for like war domain at level three, but... War domain just wouldn't be you get you know heavy armor and all that yeah. stuff. It'll be have other stuff attached. They to use it. subclasses for the versatility for most things, and mm-hmm. they are moving away from that. They're they're doing subclasses for still for versatility, but more for um, just the sort of way you want to build your character around. Whereas the standard stuff has more versatility that every cleric is going to run into. And presumably they're doing this for probably all of the uh, all of the classes in some yeah. way or another. And they're kind of Definitely separating, doing it they're kind of separating the um, the deity and the subclass too. Yeah. So like you, you can choose your deity at level one, and that can be like you know what type of cleric you are. Well, the, the deities were a lot more important in previous versions, I believe, at least for like paladins. Yeah, so. but yeah, but like if you're doing um, like a nature based, nature based a cleric, or like you're playing like a, a sea based one in the in our witch like game, that means your god is probably has something to do with the ocean, you know? Yeah. So like, um, you can still choose that at your first level, but then being a, a tempest cleric doesn't restrict you to just having. That deity and, and like deity, like right. I said, deity were mostly just like flavorful, like like story stuff. Anyway, it was, it was a tug of it was a tug of war between making the character like a top down design where it's more built around the theme, not a character, but like the the class and subclass built around a theme, or bottom up where it's built around the mechanics. And they're trying to. I think they went a little too far on the top down, mainly because this is an art, it's a storytelling game, so that makes sense. So they're trying to go the other way to, to kind of like fix some of the problems that arose with the, uh, uh, with having it top down. So now one of them that I think is kind of central to the class is the warlock. 
because yes. um, the warlock's patron directly gives them spells and abilities. And like, I don't know how they do that if you don't get it to level th- until level three. Well, probably there'll probably be certain abilities that are going to be static for various warlocks. So I'm imagining, and they have not released the archon anything for the warlock yet for people listing this in the future. Um, so my thought would be that, you know, something like hex and a couple other abilities are going to be like, you just, you get this, this is what you get at, at whatever. Maybe you'll theme it around a type of damage, or maybe they'll have hex can do one of three things based on what you are, something like that. But, um, I, I don't think it's gonna, there are ways to make it, to extend it out to not, to not get that until level three. Uh, Mechanically speaking, well, like for one thing, like the um, celestial warlock is a uh, is a healing subclass, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say you're level one, and say, "Well, I'm going to be the celestial warlock, and I'll be the healer." Um, that means you can't do it unless the warlock gets healing spells, which doesn't really seem th- thematic unless you're the right. celestial warlock. Uh, so. and it is it could be that they will make a here is a healing if you want to go the support route here is a type of uh warlock that goes the support route that is similar to the what we have in here which is the scholar thaumaturge yeah and... I was just thinking that too it's like maybe they do something similar at level one where you choose the type of warlock you are yeah um and that, like maybe that's... that's where like the um like warlock of the chain and warlock of the tone yeah. thing comes in like you just get that at level one. Yeah. Oh, that's um, true. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I always thought like Warlock of the like um Warlocks get a lot of choices at, at low levels. You choose your patron, you choose and then you choose your yeah. uh, your pact. And um they could probably expand on that a little bit too. Yeah. So, be interesting. Um you know, thing I noticed is that spectral weapon is now concentration. Yeah. I guess does it, does it still does it still not move with you because it's always fun when somebody is on like an airship or train or something and they cast spiritual weapon. I'm like, yeah, it's gone. <laughs> Six, seven, one round later, it's now like forty feet behind you. <laughs> well, what the question is: is this eth- is this a uh, ethereal weapon affected by gravity? Yeah. <laughs> Did you get in a big discussion? I, I, I yeah. mean. I mean, I would say yes. It goes on the train with you. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, otherwise, if, if, otherwise you would do it, and then the rotation of the Earth would send it flying <laughs> at ten thousand miles an hour. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not, a silly thing. It doesn't come up D, that often. Not but. a D I guess, because everything's flat. I would imagine that the the uh, well, not if you're in spell jammer. That's true. Is the universe spinning? <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> That's like a million miles an hour. <laughs> Everything is relative. I would imagine you can say that the magic is is focused in on like the world itself, like you draw from the energy of the world, and that's why it's all yeah. everything is based around the, the world. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's anything, anything else with the cleric. Not that not that I can think of. Everything else is sort of like here's a feature, you get a feat, here's another thing. It's a little powerful, whatever. And then the classes. Yeah. I oh, I, I do. Oh, yes, I do know something. Change, uh, related like, um... to this. I think they did this. change like us, like Smite on Dead a little bit. Um, yeah. They, oh yeah. So that. So then two things. One, they they made it so you get Turn on Dead, 
But they also have it that uh, because there are so many games that you're not going to fight an undead, anything undead. But they did make it so you have, instead of a turn undead, you've got like Divine Spark, which is like a radiance, radiant damage attack. Um, which is uh, which is nice that they've made it so this thing isn't just dead in the water. Uh, yeah. If you're not fighting That's... against if you're fighting against something that is not skeletons, you've got a way to use this. Yeah, I guess what D&D used to be all about exploring dungeons. Yeah. <laughs> you, fight a lot more, you, you fight a lot more skeletons. <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up that is related to the cleric is that I had noticed that uh, so it does a normal thing where you have cantrips and you have prepared spells. Uh, and then I was looking over, and, and spell slots, and I was looking over, wait a second, what there's a mismatch here. What's the, the spells and the prepared spells and the spell slots? So it turns out what they're doing. Currently, what happens is that if you have you can if you have spells, you have spell slots, you can prepare any number of spells in any of those uh, spell levels that you have slots. In. If you want to make them all first level spells, you can. What they are apparently doing now is that they oh, yeah, are tying yeah. the 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 number of spells you can prepare per level with those slots. So if you have let's say, four first-level slots and three second-level spots, you can prepare four first-level spells and three second-level spells. You don't have to use them one-to-one like normal. You can use the same spell for all of them. Uh, but they they basically tied that those two things together, which is wait, wait. an interesting change. Hold on. You said you, yeah. you have them all be the same. Does that mean it's going to be like... I can only... If I have magic missile in one spell slot, I can use magic missile once. Is no, no, no. I'm saying it's it's the opposite of that. Oh, okay. I was saying that if you if you have prepared if you have you have four first level spells uh, that you prepared and four slots, you can cast magic missile four times. It is not a one to one on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but you can't ca- you can't prepare seven first level spells if you've got four first level slots and three first level second level slots. Yeah. So, so that's the- an interesting change. Yeah, so the spell levels are going to be unique from 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 everyone from each other. And and my normal rant here, by the way, uh, anybody listening, please tell this to wizards. Um, I don't want them to call them spell levels anymore. I want them to call them spell rank or something similar because it is so annoying trying to tell new people that your character level is not the same as a spell level. They are different. Call a rank, they won't have that com- that confusion. So that means a wizard can't learn all, like, even though I don't know why they would, but they can't, like, just get all high-level spells. They have to get first level, they have to get second level. Correct. Me- their- mechanically, it would make sense that it would be impossible to just get all high-levels because you wouldn't be yeah. Cast them, but if you got, you couldn't get all first level spells if you have spell slots up to up to up to uh, level okay. Nine. Okay, so yeah, you can because since since a spell scale, yeah, um, you can upcast you, and scale them. You can theoretically, yeah, get all first level spells. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. It, it's it's yeah. forcing you to diverse to, to diversify your spells. Yes, and I don't know if that's like going to hurt some things or help some things. It makes things more clear, and I like that. Yeah. That's that's all I have with the cleric. We want to move on to. Uh, okay, let's talk about character species, and species. let's talk about the word species. <laughs> I guess there's nothing much to say. Um, honestly, it doesn't make a difference to me. Um, 
but I think but I've heard a lot of discussions of how species is a little pro- problematic too. So I think there's just no good answer. Yeah, it's, race race versus species. It's it's like the, the 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 idea of race doesn't really work because not everything there things are different species really. Like a dragonborn is what like half dragon blah 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 like a tiefling is a race of of a human because it's like a human that went through that and then you have the half races but if they were all races then why can't we have a half dragon born half um half gnome or anything like that why they always half human um they're called kobolds (laughs) kobolds are the best race no that's my kobolds are the best race that's my that's my kobold voice yes (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah it's it's really all aesthetics it does it, like you said it doesn't matter i don't i don't care either um if something is more clear that's fine if something is less problematic it's fine uh this is one of those terms that was just so traditional no one got like no one thinks about it like in mmos you always choose your race and yeah you know, you're, you're playing a uh, RPG, like, like I guess in Mass Effect, you're always a human, but you know, it's yeah. all these alien races. But I guess yeah. alien species comes up sometimes as a term. If you can't, if you can't co um, procreate, then you're different species, so it makes sense. <laughs> but um, according to, but like a friend Jess was saying, like, uh, like, um, but like all human. Humano- all humanoids, according to these new rules, can crossbreed. Right, that's right. They they did update that in either in either uh, one of the recent books or in this. And so, um, you know, a and, and a dragonborn is a humanoid. Yeah. So you could have a dragonborn gnome, like you said, or halfling. See, um, this is also goes back to things that are mechanical because for character races, there are some obvious things that are the same for everything that are mechanical reasons. Uh, size is always um, lar- small or medium, uh, and it takes up a five foot by five foot square, so that's always the same. Um, and race was always humanoid, with the exception of uh, centaurs, and I think Herengon, and maybe a couple other newer ones, that those were fey. But for the most part, they were you were always a humanoid. I think they did change goblins, hobgoblins, uh, and bugbears to uh... Fae. Did they? They're not goblinoid anymore? Well, you have Fae ancestry, but in terms of character players, or let's look it up, in terms of like player like bugbears, are they humanoid or are they Fae? Let's see. Uh, Well, uh, so they were always humanoid, like, because goblinoid is a form of humanoid. Yeah. So uh, it's that's just it's a necessary splitting of hairs for some like minor mechanical reasons. But you are so yeah, so bugbear, you are humanoid. Yeah, but you do have fan ancestry, and you are considered a goblinoid. But yes, so well, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's like it's like the centaur. You're fey, but you're also technically a humanoid. Also, you take up a five foot by five foot square, even though you're a horse. <laughs> oh. Uh, Player centaurs are like tiny little pony people. Yeah, <laughs> little, little mini horses. Like um, 
our friend in our Witch Light game draws uh, your your centaur character. Yeah, it's always like, all huge, but in reality, <laughs> like in D terms, it would be kind of tiny. But it's it's the it's the mechanics versus the theming kind of fight there. So at these these are things that are important that they need to have a standard set of mechanics and rule sets for that. When in re- reality, Goliaths and um, uh, centaurs and probably a couple other ones do not fit in a uh, control of five foot by five foot by five foot cube. Mm. So like but, a, a, a fairy is considered a fae. I'm pretty sure a, a centaur is a fae. Centaur. And, and a, a satyrs. Satyr uh, and then maybe a heron god. Heron gods are humanoid. Oh, okay. Right now. So that means in the new one D and D rules, I can't have a half herringon, half fairy, baby. I mean, there's always home growing. Yeah, <laughs> it seems weird. Like why? Li- like at that point, why limit it? <laughs> yeah. Know? Um. Yeah, because yeah, like, what's so special about like a a, a satyr where they can't, um, you know, do the half half race rule? Right. Because, like, a mentor, I think, is a human, is humanoid. Yep, a yeah, mentor probably, is humanoid. Yep. And they're just, like, beefy satyrs. <laughs> and that's really what it was, is up until, like, the centaur or the satyr, everything was humanoid. And then satyrs and centaurs, I think they, those both came in the Magic the Gathering, the Theros set, um, which was not part of the traditional world, so it was sort of, like, other stuff, but now they've they've combined everything together in Mordekind's yep. uh, and the, I know the autonome is a construct, but the Warforged are Warforged still a... Warforged are still humanoids, and they didn't yes. and they didn't get an update in the new book because I guess they want to keep that separate. To uh... War Warforged are a little weird because the idea is that they are not constructs; they are essentially sapient mechanic. They're less ma- mechanical and more magical based. Yeah. Whereas autonomes are obviously mechanical. Yeah. But yeah, that's the overview of that. But we have three species in this one. Let's go in order then. Okay. So big change. Big. Well, this is the order of. I, I know that's the joke. Which I think <laughs> um, big changes to the Ardling. Um, making them more beast like and not angel like. Yes. And apparently there's a thing called the Beastlands in D&D lore, which is, I think, still related to the celestial part of everything, but it's basically, yeah. like, where animal stuff is. Yeah. Is it the plane of animals? Is it really like that? Well, it's called the Beastlands. I, yeah. I've never heard of it, so I quickly looked it up. Yeah. Uh, the wilderness need- of the Beastlands, also known as the, also known as the Happy Hunting Ground, was the outer plane representing alignment? Was, was that was that referred to that by Otto? By Otto. <laughs> so, 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 so yeah. So this is like the nature afterlife place. Um, oh, okay. Or or something like that, and uh, but not just like nature, like druidy stuff, like actual animals stuff. I don't know, but like. So the, I think they're trying to figure this out. So they're making the Ardling more uh, part of this, um, well, which still makes it a little weird. 
let's back it up a little bit because so they basically released a video talking about the uh, feedback that they got. And there were only three things that they that they had at I think below a sixty percent within the sixty percent range, uh, which they said were things that we want to that we can keep but need to be retooled. And I forget what the first one was, but the the two of them were the Dragonborn mainly because of the breath weapon and then the Ardling, uh, if I recall correctly. So in the original one, the Celest- the Ardling was basically just like um, a foil to uh, uh, Tieflings. They were instead Celestialings, is the way I kind of uh, re- uh, interpreted it as. But they're going more in the animal. They're they're retooling that to be the animal sort of thing, and you get a different head. Or I, I guess you don't get a different head. You get a uh, couple different. Um, versions that can have both a head and other features. Uh, they can be a climber, a flyer, a racer, or a swimmer, which means that your head can be that can range from being a bear head to a frog head to a triceratops. Literally, triceratops is listed as one of the racer heads. Which sounds awesome. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they're making it more. Um, it's kind of like the shifter, except like in Eberron, which I guess now is a in the multiverse book, so it's uh, legal in in any setting. Yeah, um, which was more like I don't know the exact lore, but it's like it's not quite a werewolf type type deal. It's but a werewolf like, kin. Yeah, it's like I like to do it. Werewolf yeah. folk. And um, but this one is like you straight up have a triceratops head. <laughs> or like eagle, raven, just any type of animal, crocodile, dolphin. Uh, I don't like this race. I, I just don't uh, like. It. Just you know why? Because you're not a furry. And I'm Maybe not because a furry. I'm not furry. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah, I guess the I... the idea is that they are the mechanically. So mechanically speaking. They are have animal traits that help them with something. Climbers have hooked claws. Flyers have wings. Racers can are faster. Swimmers uh, can hold their breath and have uh, you know, have web feet or whatever. And it's trying to build a mechanic around that. I mean, like in D and D lore, is there ever a thing that's like where a baby is born with a triceratops head? Like, I like, mean, I hope it doesn't have full horns, but yeah, this is supposed to be like the tiefling, where it's kind of a, a, a genetic heritage. Um, that I have never, and obviously this is brand new. Like this is brand new to one D and D. Yeah, and I don't like, like I don't like when they change things. Um, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I don't like them introducing. Some people are born with animal heads and wings, <laughs> um, just out of the blue. Now, um. Now this is in a world where there are walking goblins, yeah, and but dragon see, people, and I mean, maybe if this was part of the lore the entire time, I wouldn't care. Uh, but this seems weird. It's like, oh, little baby, little baby Joey is born with a dolphin head. <laughs> that means he'd be able to swim really well. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, a, you you are descended from okay, so yeah, this is why I I agree. I, I liked the idea of the essentially angel folk rather than demon folk that yeah, that's, yeah. like it, it made a little more sense that this humanoid uh creature uh, you are a type of that humanoid creature or with demons you know your pack turn you demonic um so it's just kind of I mean 
And that's why they change it so much because they have the ASMR, which yeah, it's not really the, the entire lore, but it has um, celestial are, ties. Like I don't know yeah. if you're born with it. I don't know if you're literally a fallen angel. I know we had a character play in ASMR once, um, right? But yeah, the, the, I don't think he really went into detail about why he was one. The mechanics themselves are fine, but it does seem like this is. It just seems like it is recycled from the shifter, and maybe they won't have a shifter in the initials of the in the initial books that this comes out with. So, I mean, if if, if like the shifter, like I think shifter is pretty cool. It's like I don't, even considering changing my character to one, if we ever do that in a Braun game again. Well, you just got you just got to get bitten by a, a lycanthrope or something. Yeah, there you go. There's your shifter. <laughs> I could be a cobalt um, shifter. <laughs> <laughs> Like, wouldn't it be cool if they expand on that, where it's like you can like literally transform into a Triceratops man? I keep on saying that because it's weird that they haven't. <laughs> I mean, I think I think they put that down there just because they want to say no. This is not traditional animals. Also, Cholt is a place that you might come from, which has all the dinosaurs. Yes, it's, yeah, but like, what if I'm a person with like slightly? I'm looking at here like slightly bat-like features. Like, I have these long ears, my nose kind of tilts upwards a little bit. And then I can, like a shifter, like, use a bonus action to sprout wings, you know, something like that. Or if I'm the ocean type, then I can get gills. Um, It just seems like this Arling is too much like too many other creatures. It doesn't doesn't stand out. Or or species, I should say, yeah. (laughs) And, like, just full-on adding... A, a species that have animal heads kind of out of the blue. I don't know if they'll have a story to go along with this. Do you think they did that? Somebody was like, oh, man, I wish Hero Forge had more options for heads. Yeah, they're making, they want let's, Hero Forge. let's make this a thing. <laughs> yeah, this is all a thing to get here, make Hero Forge to get more uh, head types. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm interested in see what they do with the Arbling. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they just drop it. Because um, I don't know what the feedback has been. Yeah, well, they, they said it was in the 60% range in the initial one, like which, which they basically described as something that people want and you, you need to retool it. So yeah, it, and so this makes it, like, this makes it less like the, the Asmar, but it makes it too much like the um, Shifter, Shifter yeah. which is already kind of a Oh, like people, you don't hear about shifters much in D&D because right. it was so exclusive to Eberron for so long. Right. Um, is shifter in the new shifter? Yep, there it is. Shifter. Yep. There are only a handful of things they didn't touch up in uh, in uh, Mordenkainen's, and they're mainly yeah, was, they're mainly the newer ones. I was curious that they went through all the trouble to make to basically take all of the you know, non-player handbook species, put them in one book. But then they just left out some. <laughs> like the, um, some of them, they probably just need to be changed. Well, yeah, but that implies that, um, like, like Loxodons legally can only be used in, um, uh, what was that, Arabnica, you know, things yeah, like Ravnica. that. Um, and maybe that is a thing, as... Um... Because they also didn't bring over the, uh, wasn't there? Well, there's one from Artificers, not Artificers, like, uh, Adventure. But uh, 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 what's the AI? Oh, the oh yeah, the AI, AI did one. 
Yeah, there's there's one in there. There's another uh, empty uh, Magic Gathering specific race that is not just that is not like an animal kin. I, I actually uh, think Acquisitions Incorporated is legal in that way because it takes place in Forgotten Realms. Uh, we should we should point out that when we say legal, there's two ways to interpret this, which is generally stuff that is not homebrewers in like a an appropriate book. This is generally for players and just personal groups and there's also adventures league which is an organized play they do for people who just don't have enough you know friends who want to play D. &D. uh you just go up and show up and play and they have a more stricter set of rules just to keep everybody on the same level as best as possible yeah i think uh, the real reason is like locks on is a magic thing they want yeah. to keep it in the magic setting yeah um, or something like the... a centaur or a satyr are yeah. they exist in magic, but they exist in, in elsewhere first? Yeah, like in the, the line one is um, still in, uh, yes, whatever that other. And um, I think the Warforged is so tied to that to that lore of that of that setting that you just can't introduce it to yeah, like like two forgotten realms. Um, so right, yeah. So I mean, and that that makes sense. It could have been a mixture of both. They're mechanically fine, and they don't want to, re- or and they want to keep them, keep specific ones separate. Well, that didn't stop our players from choosing those races when we played. I am all okay with if it is a printed. If it, if it is printed, you can do it. You want to play Grong? That isn't a printed thing. You can play a Grong. Can I play a Civic Hybrid? Uh, if I you can tell it? me what two colors the Simic Guild is. Oh, I can't. Yeah, it's green and blue. What about a vendor looking? What was that? That's the one from uh, Acquisitions Inc., I believe. And that's a Verdan. Oh, it's Verdan. The Veldelkin is the one I was talking about that was not a animal kin, so. Yeah, that was another uh, Ravnica. You know what? Yes. If you want to be a Videlkin, you so, can. So, so <laughs> I was thinking, it's like, actually. Listen to Acquisitions Incorporated, and like during their podcast, they had the creation of this race in their podcast. It was like a group of goblins that got like elevated to elf status, so they're kind of like goblin elves, <laughs> which is, is kind of neat. Um, but it's you know was very limited to whatever. goblins that live for for five hundred years. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what we're talking about Ardlings. No, Don't that's like Ardly, yeah. Don't anyway, like Ardlings probably. Probably dumb. Probably dumb. They're dumb. There. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they they're going back and forth on Dragonborn a lot. Yeah, I don't know what they changed in this one. I think the the thing that people didn't like was the breath weapon, and so they I guess redid that. Yeah. So they put the breath weapon. Well, because technically they went back at everything on um, Fizzman's Dragonborn. Um, so like you can only use your breath weapon on attack your attack action and that's it. So they changed it back to you can use one of your attacks as a as a thing. Um and it can choose a cone or a line officially for your breath weapon. I I did I kinda oh, did that as, as homebrew you can choose, but that's official now. Oh that's nice. Um apparently they don't know draconic by default anymore. Um that's kind of weird. I think that's they just they, they changed how players select um, abilities and languages and items and stuff like that, they've changed that a lot. So that's probably what that makes. That's for. I don't know. I think it makes sense if the Dragonborn no Draconic, just by default. Uh, 
because you have somebody who's born to, let's say, uh, Chinese parents that have grown up in Hawaii. Okay, you're right, you're right on me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense in, in essence, but... It might be neat if it was just like a genetic thing that they just know. Yeah, about. it's like genetic language. That's, that's why they can all speak it. Um, that's why all Chinese people can speak Chinese, I guess. Um, yeah, they're joking. Making, we're so, joking. Um, yeah, and no offense to um, they they're adding so dragonborns of this type have a can gain flight at level five, at least yeah, temporary, rarely. So this happened in Fizban with some of the gem dragons, where they kind of sprout uh, crystal wings yeah. and stuff, and they're doing something similar here. And draconic sorcerers, uh, that subclass, would sprout wings as well, as well yeah. as some Azamar. So that's, I mean, that's fine. Um, again, we, it depends on how they do the, the movement rules. So that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, yeah, it seems it's just, you know, it's par for the course. Yeah, so this seems to be better. Um, I couldn't tell you what's different between fizz bands and stuff, but they were saying that, you know, that book is compatible. So if you want to have one of those Dragonborn, you don't have to use this one. I was looking through the Dragonlance book uh, briefly today. I was looking at the monsters, and they have a more dragon kin type of uh, set of monsters called Draconians, which yeah, were they were, which they were bipedal monsters born from metal-like metallic dragon eggs that have been corrupted by a combination of alchemy and magic. And so yeah. they're more dragon-looking than human-looking. It's just the monster. They have it's, not a, it's not a creature type, right? No, they are a monster. I, I, mean, I mean, it's a monster, not a player. Correct. It's a monster, not a player, and um, they are monstrosities. Um, but it seems like something they could easily turn into a race or species. Are they? Are they all like evil, or are they? Uh, typically lawful eagle. Typically lawful. They're metallic, so that's eh. you know they all say typically lawful evil because I guess they've all been corrupted. So yeah. They look cool. Yeah, they have, they have tails. Dragonborn don't have tails. But these Dragonborn have do tails. not have tails. Dragonborns do not have tails. They don't have tails. Oh, that! Oh, look! Oh, oh, they changed it. Dragonborns have tails now. What? 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 Oh no! Oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> I've got a uh, three kobolds and a trench coat character, and I'm like, okay, uh, it's a dragon. It's an emaciated dragonborn. Not emaciated, but like a uh, very thin dragonborn with the tail. If you if you spot the tail. And that's some characteristic about Dragonborn. But really, it's three kobolds and a trench coat. Because kobolds have tails. I know um, during the Acquisitions Incorporated C team, they have a Dragonborn character, and he has a tail. And um, oh, it, but but they're like um, you know like they're not supposed to have tails. And so they actually writ, wrote into um, the story why his lineage have tails. <laughs> And like um, has something to do with these like royalty, so they have a closer line to the dragons. So they oh, that's interesting. Got the tail. That, that works. That works. Yeah, I like that. they don't have tails. <laughs> Play a wizard folk. You want tails? Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, but that's that's the dragon, dragonborn. Yep. So I'm kind of excited by this. They're adding. I guess they haven't said it officially, but they're probably adding Goliaths to the player handbook races. Yeah. I, you, you know what? Probably because of how how 
popular Grog ones. Yeah, so thanks to uh, Vox Machina. Yeah. <laughs> but they're doing a cool thing where, um, you know, uh, Elias are supposed to be, um, have, have taught like a bloodline back to giants. That's why they're big. Um, but they've only really had stone giants. Like, Elias could um, harden their skin to get to reduce damage. But now they're having a whole bunch of different type of Goliaths. Um, like all the all the giant types, like Cloud Giant, Fire, Frost, yep. and uh, they're able to. Storm. Yep. So like Fire, um, Fire Giants can add extra damage to their rolls. Um, Hill Giants can, uh, yeah. can can knock things prone on their attack just by default. It's another version of the lineage sort of uh, way that they're building things now. That have they're basically it's another word to another way to say you pick one of X options. And they do that a lot for the races. They, as we discussed earlier, they did a couple for the classes and subclasses. Um, it's a way for more versatility in something that has otherwise been very static. It's weird that they, they do that, but then they also added um, every type of Genasi to the, as their own separate species. Yeah, and I guess other. that was early on. That was like their second or third like publication, and that was the, the free oh, no, 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 like, came out with the Goliath. <laughs> In their multiverse book, like oh. each each Genasi is their own separate thing. Maybe they'll change that up for this one. Yeah, or maybe there's just so much different about them. Because like, there's also there's also similarly El- El- Eladrin, I believe they are the the seasons elves. Yeah, the season yeah. elves. Because they're they're the same sort of they're more of a lineage sort of rule set rather than a. You know, uh, Eladrin are still one species. Yep. On the thing, but all the all the genasi are, are different on the page. And I wonder, like, if I, like I said, is this because they have so much different about each one that it would just be just too uh, yeah, cumbersome, yeah. But like, um, you know, Gith Yankee and Gith Ronky are still separate. I mean, those you, were yeah, that's true. Um. Anyway, we're talking about oh yeah, and um, they can become Lions. big. They, yeah, they, 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 they get an enlarged reduce, except the enlarged size only. Uh, this reminds yeah. me a lot of the, the rune, um, the rune fighter. Yeah, rune knight. Rune knight, uh, which I played a little bit as a Goliath character because I thought I thought it fit it because they 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 kind of gained giant abilities. Um. With that fighter subclass, and it was kind of a lot like this. Like you can grow in size, you get certain uh, runes that correspond to different giant types. Um, and, and this is a lot simplified. So it's just yeah, it, it's just rituals. Um, but it's cool that you get to choose now from a species uh, level as well instead of a class level. So yeah, because um, whenever I think of Goliath, I always think of living in the mountains. You know, where it's, where it's cold. Things like that, um, but now you yeah. can have like, well, maybe some, well, like any type, really. I guess they you can still live in the mountains, be a cloud giant. Maybe you live underground yeah. and you're like a, a fire giant, or if you're in the ice wind, magma underground, or if you're, um, you know, with the ice wind daily, you might be a frost giant. Yeah, Goliath, so, so on. So I like this. It's a good change. Yeah. Um, that's that's then, all three of the uh, the races species. Yeah, and again, they did a lot of stuff with spells and feats, and I didn't read 
read too much into them. There's a couple things I did want to mention about that. We already talked about movement um, and the guidance for distance. And uh, just a, a couple things that they have sort of done. Uh, jump is an action. I don't remember if this was on the last one or if this, this doesn't appear to be new. But jump is now an action rather than a thing, or at least can be done as an action. And they have a couple couple more conditions, and they've obviously updated conditions. They've got uh, like a uh, uh, hidden is now a condition instead of just being like, a, did you roll a higher stealth thing? You are now actually hidden, uh, or no? Um, we already had hidden, but I think it's more uh, separated from stealth. Tripping up mm. over my uh, rule sets here. Uh, they've got. I think they they uh, they've tried to fix up influence because that was a whole page of text for one action. <laughs> Now it's it's still pretty it's still pretty long, but uh, hopefully you've fixed it up a little bit. Um, these is a condition, which I think is sort of like stunned, but not as not as unfun. Uh, you know where it came, and uh, yeah, it's uh can't move or take an action. It's basically you can do either move or an action, not both. Um, and then there's also uh, exhausted. They tr they changed that up, and I don't remember if they did this in the first one. But at this point, the way instead of having six levels ex of exhaustion that drastically change how your rolls are, you get up to ten levels of exhaustion, and they uh, take away mainly they just take away one from your from any of your d20 uh, cumulatively. So you got kind of like the better. Yeah, it's. I once played a uh, uh, AL game, Adventures League game, where uh, climb a mountain, and uh, we got one d4 worth of uh, exhaustion, and I rolled a four. So, yeah, so I had, yeah, that was a tough one. <laughs> I mean, at level two, you move at half speed, so it's yeah. like, you know, already really detrimental. But like, that has to be something to say. Like, this was wearing on you, and you're saying like you get like. Up to minus ten in your rolls, like the higher you get. Yeah, it's uh specifically level of exhaustion one to ten. If it exceeds ten, you die. So if you get your eleventh, it dies. Yeah. Uh you subtract Spell. your exhaustion level from the D twenty roll, so it's minus exhaustion. Spell save DCs are also subtracted from the thing, so your DCs are lower um on any spells you cast. And you end the condition on a long rest no long rest ends or is one of your exhaustion. Uh, which is sort of how it works now. So. Yeah, the the fact that it's just a, a a penalty on your dice roll makes a lot more sense than all the lot, all the easier other stuff. to remember if nothing else. Easier to remember. Yeah, because I didn't like giving it out. Like one level was pretty simple. You get like what disadvantage on on certain checks. Um, but after that, it was like oh, this is a lot. It's like what? Like you can't. It's like. I don't know. What the, Have you ever tried staying up for like four days straight? There was a probably not that far off. like game. Um, actually, at the very beginning of the carnival, um, you're supposed to give um, exhaustion levels in that in that minecart ride that made you scared. Oh God, yeah. And um, I decided not to do that. Uh, it's, not because, that, it's not that bad in which like because it's less combat oriented. Yeah, but I think it was like special where like a long rest didn't cure it. Oh, um, oh, screw that then. Yeah, or like lasted <laughs> a number of days. Um, and I didn't want to deal with that because like yeah. it would kind of stink if someone could only move fifteen feet. 
for like four days. <laughs> so. Not not per not per round, but just fifteen feet for that entire day. Yeah, oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm tired. Carry me. Yeah. Um. So um. Still have a long way to go in these on other condos. 2024 is when all this is expected to come out. Uh, but we had a little discussion with our friend Jess Demir um, about, and I don't want to speak for her, so if I get something wrong that she said, like, sorry about that. But she was saying, like, um, she doesn't think that, like, a lot of DMs are going to change to this, at least right away, um, because they may not like what's going on. So do you think. I guess it's their prerogative if they still want to play fifth edition. Yeah. Um, they even said like you can pick and choose what you want, but I think that kind of defeats the purpose. Um, for you personally, for you personally, when one D and D comes out, are you going to switch to this rule set for like when so, you make it when you make a new game? So I probably will. Um, it'll probably take me a bit to you know update my my understanding of the rules because I've yeah. not, I've not played D and D long enough that I've had to switch systems. That's something that Bun has probably done. Um, but a couple things to note that they are making this backwards compatible. Um, this is still playtest material, so uh, it, it currently is also designed to be played with current rules in mind as well as new ones. It's trying things out. Uh, and who knows what that's going to be whittled down to in the new edition. Um, and the also, compatible doesn't mean pick and choose. Correct. Well, correct. There are going to be things that are, that it, it's going to be based on the game group. Whichever group that you're doing is going to say these are the rules. Um, I will probably do it because you know it's like okay, it's time for something new. Let's try new things. Uh, if there's something that people don't like, I'll just be like, all right, we'll play the old rule for. For this, um, I, guess oh, yeah. I just it's you are like you, in the middle you of a god game. of your game when you are the DM. You are the god of your game. You can make anything yeah. you want. If we're like in the middle of a campaign, I'm not going to switch over. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Um, but definitely when we start something new, um, because it, it's it's weird because people were calling this like version six or 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 six edition or five point five edition, um. In in my mind, I can clearly see what they're doing. Like this is fifth edition, but they're updating it, changing what they thought didn't work, and nothing so drastic where um, it requires a brand. Like nothing so drastic where it completely changes the game. Right. I think um, if you if you were fine with the stuff they did in Tasha's and the stuff they did in Mordenkainen's. Yeah. You're gonna be fine with this. It's just yeah. So this is definitely different than fifth edition. Yeah, but it's not like going from from point uh, three point five to four to, to to five. It's like yeah, those were t- like totally changed almost everything, like to stats to different effects to this to right. that to this like. It's still keeping the core of the game mechanics and is refining the the granular details of those core things. Yeah, so the worst that's going to happen here is when you're getting used to one D&D, you're going to have to, like, oh, double-check what the spell does and make sure you're not missing something new. Like, oh, it, it now says this is a test versus a this, you know. And you kind of have to do that now anyway because of the uh, Erica. Think, Rada. A lot of things. Erica. But um, 
but yeah, no, I'm I'm okay with so far what they have. Nothing is just except for the movement. I really don't like the movement change, yeah. but everything else I've been like, okay, I could adapt. I could adapt to this. I could I could use this. I like and, this and, thing better than the current. And, and to be honest, like, let's say that goes through, um, I would just not use it. Um, right. because like I think that's like very limiting. Um, but yeah. I wouldn't like go through every spell and go, okay, I'm using the one D D version of that. Okay, I'm using the fifth fifth edition version of that. I'm not gonna right. do that. That no, no. Um, um, um unless there's like a really broken version or something and we don't want to use that, I would be like, no, let's go back and do one. Yeah. So um yeah. that is the new yeah. one with Arcana, and we'll probably do another one of these one of one of when one or two are uh, released, and... yeah. we should what? we should probably also do one on the Dungeons Dragons movie and the original Dungeons Dragons movie. Uh, I'll do a back to back commentary. What do you think, everybody? Tell Joey that's what you want. You stream Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, Dungeons Dragons I don't. I'm sure. I don't think anybody is selling the DVD anymore. <laughs> Let's it's, got it's got a dungeon and dragon. It, 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 it has kind of a dungeon and kind of a dragon. We can watch. Eh, we have to rent it everywhere. Yeah. This, we'll watch every dragon movie and we'll pick we'll pick like the best one. Dragonheart, Dungeons and Dragons, Tomb, uh, Tomb, the Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon. Uh, I don't know any other dragon movies. <laughs> dragon, oh, Dragonheart. I said Dragonheart. Dragonheart. Well, well, Dragonheart two. There's a Dragonheart two. Like a Dragonheart four. <laughs> okay, Dragonheart five. <laughs> He's only got so many hearts that he can give to other people who turn out to be horrible kings. Uh, Dragonheart. The Dragonheart: A New Beginning. What? Dragonheart: The Sorcerer's Curse. You're making these up. This isn't real. You are you're lying. Battle to me. for Heartfire. <laughs> and then Dragonheart from 2020, Dragonheart Vengeance. What? I remember when this came out. I was like, what? 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 Helda Bottom those... Carter's in it. <laughs> Is this one of those things where it's just like, we, we need an IP to put on a streaming service? So. I mean, they're all obviously directed. The video. recent ones are, yeah, they went from 2000 to 2015 with the third one, so between second and third one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No. It's kind of like you find out there's like there's like six Scorpions King movies. You know. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's check Scorpion King. I, I I take it back. Nobody tell us to watch these movies and do a comment. <laughs> Uh, King. Okay, there seems to be five Scorpion Kings. That's the magic number. So far. They're just going to go the same way as now. That's what I call music and kids' bop. They're just going to keep making more of them until they run out of numbers. It's, it's like I found out. Oh, the podcast is over. It's like, oh, like how we found <laughs> out how. Uh, Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Remember that movie, um, Deep Blue Sea? About the, yeah. About the sharks. Um, there's like two more of those that came out in the past like few years, um, and I think just some random company owns the rights to the name, and uh, they say, "Well, let's make a shark movie." Oh, we have Deep Blue Sea. 
uh, we just call it that. <laughs> Monster movies are cheap. I mean, they're they're cheaper to make. They're easier to make. And people need... Uh, streaming services need movie fodder in the same way that, like, direct-to-video DVDs and, like, bargain bin DVDs get made and thrown into Walmart bargain bins. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it's probably that kind of thing. Somebody with the license and somebody needing fodder for their streaming service. Yeah, it's like um, a movie called uh, Escape Plan for a while back. You know, pretty good prison break movie. Um, then, then like, a uh, a Chinese company got the rights to the name and they, like, made a bunch of sequels. Um, still had Sylvester Sloan in them. Yeah. But, but it's, like, obviously wasn't, you know... Like high budget and all that stuff. Um, Some, I think, Japanese studio remade Cube, yeah. like and, last year. Anyway, <laughs> when I said the podcast is over, it's not oh, true. I thought you literally meant the cop. Oh my god, we've been talking this whole time. Ah, it's because we're in a conversation. Yeah, podcast <laughs> officially ending now. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Mark. <laughs> Thank Thanks you for, for having me to talk about Dungeons and Dragons, a hobby I've been in since twenty nineteen. 2018, 2019? Just before COVID. 2018, just before COVID. Only four times. <laughs> start thinking about what I'm doing next in D&D. Because um, uh, while we on the Witchlight, we're on our last chapter. Yep. Pretty soon. Like after our next game, we'll be on the final chapter. Spelljammers is going to be ending in a couple, yep. couple episodes. I'll be, I'm running a game for a group of people, friends. I'll be starting on the, uh, probably end up doing the new starter set, Storm Marco Idol. Yeah, I want to run that and, too. Uh, yeah, and I want to basically be able to focus on being able to do um, games at the store again, because I haven't done one at the store in a while. So, we did yeah. one shots. Maybe yeah, I'll run Spelljammer at the store. Last time, you, last time you played D&D at the store, you got COVID. Watch out. <laughs> no, I played once or twice before since then. Uh, a couple times. I played a couple times and ran things since then. We did a we did an epic at one of the epics. You know, one day I want to play D in person. Yeah, no, we will we will get everybody together and we will have big old Tuneworks in person D. Or I, look for local game stores and uh, just see if there's anybody there that wants to There is a there is a game store. Well, there is a place that Whose windows full of of Naruto? I mean, um, yeah. I, live. I don't. I don't know what they sell there. Um, I haven't been in. I don't know. I get bad vibes from it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a thing. It's uh... It's like not a big, big store. I think they just sell magic cards and Funko Pops yeah, and stuff. But that thing, yeah, I know. Um, like where Dustin lived, where I used to live, like there's a big game store, and I bet if I still live there, I would have. Uh, Looked at like D and D nights there. Go go move it. Go move in with Dustin. Uh, and that's then, a whole other yeah, issue. Yeah, it's a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thank you, everyone. Listen, to, listen to our D and D podcast. We're still recording again. Have you not pressed off yet? What's going on? I wouldn't <laughs> talk about this stuff. <laughs> Ending it now. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, he's <laughs> saying it's over. Craig, it's leave. Fin- tell, tell Craig to leave. I'm not saying another word. <laughs> officially, thank you before it ends. <laughs> so it was my excuse to talk about Scorpion King in the podcast, <laughs> but then it turned into a real conversation. To yeah, no. 
Okay. Anyway, bye. I'm hey. the song. Bye. bye. <laughs> oh my god. Huts? Are we are we done? Are we off the air?